Welcome to Stories with Soul. I am your host, Jamie Ice, musician turned entrepreneur and co-founder of 6th Ave Homes and 6th Ave Storytelling. Over the past 10 years, I have launched multiple successful businesses and have become obsessed with all things entrepreneurship and marketing. I've been on a personal quest to unpack what it takes to make and grow a great brand. One thing that I've discovered is that stories are powerful and that storytelling has the power to set a brand apart. Join me as I dive into the stories of the heavy-hitting leaders, entrepreneurs, artists, and business owners in our community to hear their biggest wins, greatest losses, and their best business secrets. There's a story behind every great brand. Welcome to Stories with Soul. Stories with Soul is brought to you by 6th Ave Storytelling, an organic marketing company building standout brands on the foundation of story. We help small businesses grow by crafting and sharing their stories because when small business thrives, cities and communities prosper. Stories with Soul is brought to you by the Fort Worth Business Press, your source for news and business information in and around Fort Worth. Sign up for the Business Press's twice daily newsletter or become an insider using the storytelling coupon code STORYTELLING10, all one word, to stay up to date with the people, companies, and issues that matter most to Fort Worth. Head to fortworthbusiness.com. Uh, to subscribe. I am a huge fan of the Business Press. I've been a subscriber for years. It keeps me up to date with everything that is going on in Fort Worth. Love it. Go subscribe for the newsletter. You won't regret it. All right, guys, welcome to Stories with Soul. I am your host, Jamie Ice. I'm joined by my co-host, Jimmy Williams. And today we have a very special guest, Lou Lambert. Okay, you have you have quite the bio. Um, I'm, I'm about to rattle off. The, the, some, all right, I'll some, correct you. So, so what, a restaurateur, an entrepreneur, a chef, uh, and you have several side hustles, which we're going to dive yes, into as well. Yes. But, but, but Lou is the founder, the creator of Lambert's Downtown Barbecue in yes. Austin, Joe's Hot Coffee, Dutch's Hamburgers here in town, uh, Lambert's Steak and Seafood, which was at Fort Worth Institution for, for a while. Yes. Place. Uh, Roy Pope Grocers, the Harris Coffee Shop you're redoing right now, Lou's Bodega in Austin. Uh, you have done your research, uh, Jamie. I like we're, this. We're not even done yet. You're also a partner <laughs> and, and uh, partnered and investor and culinary genius behind a lot of killer hotels. Your sister is a, a hotel. Correct. But the San Jose, the El Cosmico and Marfa, Hotel San Cristobal and Todos Santos, the St. Cecilia, Hotel Magdalena. Uh, well, Jamie, I'm worn out. I, I need to sleep <laughs> But you've more. done this all. This, so, I mean, this is, this is, you've also, you've been featured in Bon Appetit Magazine, Food and Wine, Southern Living, the New York Times. You also have a cookbook, yes. uh, Big Ranch, Big City. Correct. I'm impressed, man. Am I missing I'm just, anything? If I, if I listen to this, I'm going, dang. I mean, that, that's I why. I need to retire. You sh- Yeah. <laughs> but that's why I wanted to meet, to meet you. I mean, like, this, that's pretty crazy. It's well, really, really cool. Thank you. So I, I, I have a confession. Yes. So, so part, of, part of the reason for doing this podcast was, one, I wanted to in- inspire people and give people proximity to people who are doing neat things like yourself. And, and selfishly, there's also kind of like a selfish motive. There were some, a few people that I didn't know that I would like, I would love to have a conversation with this person. You are one of those people where I have like, I, I'm kind of a fanboy. <laughs> I've been a fan for a while, and, but we've never met. And now, I'm, and it's crazy being 
both in Fort Worth that we haven't because we run into the same run in the same circles. Like you just told me this morning that you missed me by an hour at a yeah. birthday kid's birthday yesterday. party yesterday. Literally yesterday. Yeah. But but like part like when I started, I was like one of the first people I want to sit down with is Lou Lambert. I've never met him. I'm a fan. I would just love so yeah. So part of the reason for me starting this was to say, to get you in this, this <laughs> seat you, today, and, and and I'll tell you why. Like I I first I think I sort of knew who you were, but but Jimmy and I uh, bought a building that you were you were Correct. the original owner of the four level. <clears throat> On, on South Main. And I remember that the first time, I guess you sold it to, to Craig Kelly, who's a, who's a friend of yep. ours. Uh, but the first time, he, he was like, I want to show you guys this project I, I, I just got. And we walked in to this 20,000 square foot warehouse and I felt like I was transported somewhere. It did not feel like Fort Worth. It, it, it was... You had done, you one, you just made this magical place that felt like Austin or West Texas. And then two, there was like, you had all these motorcycles and classic cars and like sports cars. And then you had all this like, there were like weights and woodworking and there was all these like deer heads everywhere. <laughs> it was the ultimate man case. <laughs> well, it, it didn't start out being that way. One of my side hustles is real estate. Okay. Okay. And the other one is is woodworking and my partner is a gearhead so we needed a place when we got to Fort Worth to do all this so I combined all of those interests and we found this old warehouse on the south side and this is before the the the, the life boom. came back into the south side and I went Fort Worth has nowhere to grow but south yeah and I was going this is a solid real estate investment and even if it's not, it's a great, great space. So we spent about five years just kind of renovating that. And then the Baker machine shop back behind me, I'd become buddies with Buddy Baker, uh -huh. who was, I think, close to 90 years old and had grown up in that machine shop. And he said, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of selling this property. And I said, Buddy, I've got too much square footage now. He said, I want you to have this. So we, yeah. over the course of a year, struck a deal and I bought that property and combined them together. And you were living there too, right? Well, when we were building our house, contractors will lie to you, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> contractors will lie to you. Uh -huh. So we had sold our house in Ryan Place. And so we were homeless uh -huh. for six months until our house was, was finished. So we converted one of, or the the office space at uh, Baker Machine Shop into a little, a little studio apartment, and it was super, it was super oh, fun. It was cool. us four dogs. Yeah, they, I remember at the, the shop. dogs, and, and, but you also like there were these like crazy you y'all grill pigs like yep. whole yep. hogs, and there were these like <laughs> these giant contraptions and fire pits. That, I mean, it, when we went in, I was like, I was like, got goosebumps because I'm like, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> the woodworking, the pig grilling, the dogs, the the it was like the, a vacation. It was like you walked into a vacation, and then there was like succulents. You were you were growing all these like agaves and yeah. stuff. And but and and it had it had a ramp so you could drive vehicles up into your yeah. house, yeah. if you will. Well, you, and you had vehicles in there. I mean, there was always yeah. some different. There's a, there a huge lift, like a, oh, yeah, yeah. a giant lift. Yeah. How many guys have their own personal car lift? Yeah, James Smith does. Yeah, oh, yeah. partner. So, but the, it was a great magical place. We loved being there. But at the end of the day. It was crazy 
to to hold on in my initial intent was real estate investment and that whole south side started going people started knocking on the door you know i want to buy this i want to buy and we're going not yet not yet and finally i went this is crazy we've got to move to another location yeah. because the the intent was to flip it after a few years yeah but it was a great space and you like threw parties there oh we right? we would throw parties for 150 people yeah <laughs> um we'd have stage uh lighting sound system the outdoor patio we could do food for 150 it and was it was just like a great pigs yeah pigs but, but that, that's what i was like i have and we never met i was like i have to meet this guy jimmy was like mom we got to buy this building because it's so cool and yeah. he was like i am now obsessed with this guy that's doing all this crazy stuff but i would say that like that that was the inspiration it's like yeah. you throwing those parties like i mean we we heard the backstory like, yeah lou did this lou did this lou mm -hmm. did this and that was kind of the inspiration of what yeah. led us like okay this could be an event space this could be do this we could yeah. do this with this space because you already kind of kind of laid that that framework and, and that's kind of why we bought it and i think the other, other thing that i loved about it was it just had style i think especially for fort worth yeah. like you yeah. you have it's like this extreme macho hunting burning pigs <laughs> motorcycles but then also coupled with really cool taste and really cool style Thank which I, I like for me i, I love both i of just those. i think part of that comes from just my background of of being a creative and that's what chefs are and mm -hmm. so you would identify as a, as a creative like yeah because okay. if, if you think about uh or i identify as a chef even though i do a hundred different things but deep down i'm a chef okay and to me a chef is it's art Mm -hmm. It's like a uh, you're a musician. Mm -hmm. You write and perform songs. Mm -hmm. um, there's painters. There's writers who I have the utmost respect for. Writers or people that can can put words on paper. Mm -hmm. But my creative is coming up with food. And instead of painting one painting, I repeat that day after day after day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. And, and that's the problem with most chefs. It's a beautiful thing is they're artists. The bad side is most artists are terrible business people. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I know I that mean, from music world. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm fortunate to be one of those guys that can kind of navigate in both worlds that I can read a P&L and I can be creative. So perfect segue yes how how the heck did you get to that so you so you you are you're like a seventh generation i, I, I took I did some research last night yeah yep. seventh gen generation ranching family you grew yes. up in odessa your family has cattle ranches so how did you go from i'm in odessa to to you and your sister are very like forerunners in culture you were you were like like you said with south maine you yep. were like an early early adapter there white settlement where like you were you were one of the first here even in austin like yeah you, you have historically sort of been a taste maker you know creative but also mm -hmm. successful kind, mm -hmm. but so so ha take me back to like the beginning you grew up in this ranching family how does you grow someone... up in in odessa texas yeah ranching culture oil and gas culture kind of rough and tumble um that was the expectation expectation was you get out of high school you go to college mm 
mm-hmm. preferably TCU, because my grandfather went to TCU in 1915. Both wow. parents, 11 Was it cousins. 1915 played no football way. at TCU. Wow, wow that's My cool. father played football at TCU <clears throat> under Dutch Myers in the uh, early 50s. Wow. My older brother played football at TCU. And my grandfather, were fortunate, paid for all his grandkids, 11 grandkids, to go to college. Oh, but wow. the expectation cool was Did you play that you football. D- no, <laughs> the, the, the heck with that. I played at Permian and I said, I'm tired of getting my butt kicked. Yeah. But the expectation was you did at least one semester at TCU. No way. Mm-hmm. So okay. we all That's a did. Cool, a cool yeah. legacy. But my problem was I went to TCU, and my, as my father would say, they're going to give you a gold watch and retire you rather than a diploma. <laughs> <laughs> I had been there a little too long, uh-huh. so I went to UNT. But anyway, so that it was your expectation. And then uh, you find a profession, lawyer, oil and gas, mm-hmm. something very conventional, but I was always intrigued with the art of dining. And growing up in West Texas, kind of the big hotel was the Lincoln Hotel. Okay. And back in those days, every small town had a fine hotel with a good restaurant. Mm-hmm. And that was the gathering spot. So I was always fascinated to go to the Lincoln Hotel with my grandfather. That's where the, the men would go and have lunch, conduct business in the lobby, mm. smoking big cigars. Yeah. Okay. And but they had a fine dining restaurant, and I was just intrigued. It was like going to church. White tablecloth, the the waiters in a jacket, the steps of service, mm-hmm. and I was just intrigued with that. So when I got, what's your earliest memory of like being there? Was were you like middle school or elementary school or probably like? middle school? Okay. But after church, we would probably every other Sunday eat at the end of the Golden West. Okay. And it was it just intrigued me. Mm-hmm. But so when I got to college, I got jobs in restaurants. Did you, so going into college, did you, did you know, like, I want to do something with food? I just, it intrigued me. So I thought I'm going to get a job in a restaurant. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what did your, what did your family say? Well, I didn't tell them. Okay. It was, <laughs> it was yeah. if I had run off and joined the circus or something. <laughs> because I'm assuming if you're a ranching family, they're yeah. like, you're going to take over the family business. One well, day. you're going to do something other we're pay, than we're paying you to go to TCU, well, which yeah. is expensive. But, but <laughs> remember during that time, it was before food TV and yeah. the big food magazines. And so it was, if you were, I, I don't know, joining the, the military, it was, it wasn't the, the proper thing. It's like running off to play music. Yeah. It, thank you. It yeah. feels like you were stepping down yeah. like, into this. And exactly. So, but you but, knew in your heart, you're like, I kind of want to do but this. But no, thing. after I got uh-huh. into it, I went, this is my tribe. These are okay. my people. And it's, it's the fast paced. Yeah. It's the, artistic part of it it's the people that are drawn to to hospitality Mm -hmm. and so i was just intrigued by it and floundered at tcu i would always get what were you you studying uh marketing marketing okay so always had a a side job restaurant bartending i just i love the culture of it okay so finally uh the folks went you know this enough is enough This episode of Stories with Soul is brought to you by 6th Ave Storytelling. At 6th Ave Storytelling, we know that stories aren't just for bedtime, they're powerful marketing tools, and we've seen what they can do. 
want to see for yourself, download our free PDF, The Storytelling Pathway, on our website, sixhalfstorytelling.com. It's everything your business needs to be successful. This is what I've used to grow my businesses and hundreds of others. It's a strategy that has led to number one albums, built large followings, and has helped generate millions of dollars in revenue, thousands of leads, and tons and tons of traffic. I've seen client after client reach their goals, which is why I'm crazy excited to share it with you today. I'm offering this for free because it's my personal mission to support small business owners and entrepreneurs no matter where they are at on their journey. Because small businesses are the heartbeat of a city and they really are what make it special. Sixth Avenue Storytelling has helped brands across the country grow their business using these exact steps. Head to sixthavestorytelling.com and download the Storytelling Pathway to get your step-by-step guide today. Stories with Soul is brought to you by Fort Worth Business Press. The Fort Worth Business Press has been instrumental for me as a business owner. They were actually the first publication to ever cover Sixth Avenue Homes and also Sixth Avenue Storytelling, which were huge, huge wins for our companies. I also have been following along for years. I've been a subscriber. It has allowed me to keep up to date with everything that is happening in the business community and see what other business owners are doing and just stay involved in all sort of the economic development of what is happening in Fort Worth. Worth. If you are in any way involved in business, you should go subscribe and sign up for their publication, uh, sign up for their twice daily newsletter. And, and, and they're actually offering a storytelling discount right now. If you listen to the podcast, become an insider using the storytelling code storytelling10, all one word, lowercase, to stay up to date with the people and companies and issues that matter most. Visit fortworthbusinesspress.com to sign up today. So I laid out of school for a year working in restaurants and I went, I'm going to go. Were you, where were you working? Were you working in Fort Worth? Like what restaurants? Oh, I can't even remember. Okay. <laughs> but um, I went, I want to go to the Culinary Institute of American Hyde Park. Mm-hmm. And again, approached my folks. Ah, oh, nobody goes, what, what is this CIA? This is insanity. Uh-huh. You need a college degree. Yeah. So I went, all right. If I get a college degree, can I go to the CIA? Will y'all help me go to the CIA? Yes. Okay. So I transferred to University of North Texas and got a degree in hotel restaurant management. Okay. And where I was uh-huh. f- floundering at TCU because I just I had no interest in going to class. I just I was going, what am I doing here? I was on the dean's list. Wow. And and making straight A's because it perked your interest. It, it was something that I was passionate about. Yeah. And then from from UNT, went to the Culinary Institute of America in Hyde Park, and then worked in New York, uh, worked in San Francisco. So I kind of paid my dues along the ways. nice restaurants? Yeah, went to work for Wolfgang Puck, fine dining restaurant. And so mainly fine dining restaurants because at that point I was going, you know, the only food is there's got to be a white tablecloth and it's got to be Mm hoity-toity. And I I think that's the problem with some people now is they don't recognize if it's not fine dining – that it's worth your your effort, mm-hmm. but did that ended up back in Texas? And why did you wind up back in Texas? Usually, I missed I missed Texas. I, well, or? no, and it was I I'd, I'd been out of state for for years, mm-hmm. living in San Francisco, hard to afford a house, much less a, a apartment or condo. Mm-hmm. I always grew up with dogs. You couldn't have a dog. Uh-huh. You couldn't have your truck 
parked at the curb. Uh-huh. So I was going, you know, enough. I, I'm ready to go back to Texas. And we went back to Austin because I was going, you know, Austin, uh, my sister had just moved back. Mm-hmm. And I was going, I want to be in Austin. So okay. moved back to Austin. With the goal of starting something or working in another no, restaurant? No, with, with the goal of just learning learning what the market was, working. But at that about two years after being in Austin, that's when I went, I'm going to do my own place. Okay. okay. So how old were you at that time? And then like, how, how many years did you like grind it out? Like, do you pay your dues? I ground it out until 30, Okay. around 30. Yeah. But in my mind, like in any art or any vocation, you've got to pay your dues. That's right. I had worked for uh, a chef early on. He said, you know nothing, and you're going to do yourself <laughs> a lot of favors if you go out and you just keep your head down, bust your ass, work as many hours as you can, and learn. Yeah. Learn from the dishwasher, learn from the, the chef, learn from everybody you, around, and just absorb everything you can. Spend a year at every restaurant, after a year, you should have absorbed everything there, move on, stretch, stretch yourself, go to wherever you want to live in the United States, it's not forever, and pick out restaurants that you admire what they're doing, mm-hmm. even if you have to wash dishes, get in that restaurant and learn. Wow. And, and you did, felt like that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that, and I hate to sound like the... Though, man, but a lo- because of food TV, because of all the food magazines, kids go to culinary school, they get out and they think that they're the next whoever, Gordon Ramsay. Yeah. yeah. And they're not for, willing for to pay their dues. years. I mean, that's like a doctor. That's like, well, <laughs> it's yeah. like but, you kind of got a But doctor. you know what? Yeah. And food. I loved every minute of it. And yeah. other than working too many hours and being poor, I'd go back to it mm-hmm. because I, I just love the grind. I love the vibe and fast paced of a restaurant. See, I feel like that's something that every single entrepreneur, you know, uh, has, has said is they started out, they found their passion and they said, okay, I'm going to start doing this, whatever industry it is, but yep. there's always this period. And I think that as a young 20 something, you don't know that there's this period, but there's a period of usually four, five, ten years of grinding it. Yep. And that's yep. what every single person has said. And you it's funny now hearing, you know, we listed off all the success of the first the 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 podcast and you're like, oh man, that's a lot. But in your mind, like whenever you're repeating it right here, you're like, and you know, and then I graduated and then I went to New York and San Francisco and Austin for two years and then I started my own thing. I'm like that we just covered like five, six, eight, <laughs> ten years right there, like in a sentence, you know. But that is kind of like what it takes a lot but of that, times. To that's get there. what makes you or gives you the ability, not just confidence, but knowledge, yeah, of to be successful in, in business or life. Yeah, you've got to pay your dues. In, in San Francisco, I was working two jobs, but both jobs, yes, I needed them to pay the bills, mm-hmm. but I learned something at every, every job. So and was your family supportive then? Like, were they yes. like, they, yeah. at, th- what, at this point they were like, he's chasing his passion. Yeah. Him. I mean, once, once I got a college degree 
and they're going, all right, you've proved yourself. Mm-hmm. Then went to CIA, and then they saw what I was doing, mm-hmm. and uh, very supportive. I mean, my I'm fortunate to come from a family that, that their motto was, we don't care what you kids do, but you will apply yourself, you will be part of your community, and you're going to find something that gives you joy and mm-hmm. and that you can give back. And you still kind of those are those are tenants, or that's still a part of what you're doing. Still part of what I do, and and people that come up through the organization, I preach that mm-hmm. is you've got to give back, you've got to be part of your community, and you've got to have a passion, and you've got to show up every day. That's the hard. That's the hard thing is. You have got to show up with your standards attached every day. Mm. That's so. Uh, what you just said, I, I I told you I was doing some research last <laughs> night, but I found a. I think it was in Texas Monthly, something, but it, but it was a quote where you said, "You will be productive. You'll be part of your community. Do that, and we'll support you. Whatever path you take is up to you. But you're going to do something." Which essentially that, like you you're going to work hard, no matter what it is. Yeah, and and that's, I mean that's. Finding, but before you can work hard, you have to find your passion in life, yeah. mm. and be a doctor, be whatever you want to yeah. be, but be involved, mm-hmm. be be vibrant, live. So, at what point? At what point did it go? I mean, were, were you dreaming this whole time of, of, of I want to start my own things or my own thing? Like you know, in the back of your mind, you want to to have your own restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, I am fortunate that that I had exposure to a lot of different cuisines, interests in a lot of different concepts from fast food to fine dining to everything in between. So it's, and I hate to say it, I'm not a one-trick pony, meaning I can yeah. only do Mexican food or I yeah. can, because I find the whole... You like it all. I, I like the, the whole vibe of food and beverage or hospitality. It it all fascinates me and interests me, and the and so, the cre- the creative part. Yeah, your 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 mom was an artist, right? I think I my mother that. was a she was an artist, a art patron. She wasn't great, but she was just fascinated by art and design and all of that. So, was some? Do you, you think some of your creativity came from yeah. from that? I I think part of it is is I th- I think you're to have a good eye to be able to sing, mm-hmm. to be able to create food. It's like, I wish I could be a musician. I do not have that ability uh, to do that, mm-hmm. no matter how, how hard I would try. And I did guitar lessons. Uh-huh. Terrible, yeah. terrible. You don't want me singing on your, your next yeah. album, Jamie. But I think an eye for design is something is a gift mm-hmm. and you can train yourself to understand how things are laid out but i think i was just blessed through my mother mm-hmm. and then on my father's side he always had a shop d- d- building stuff and he was at arm's length in construction development real estate so i think i got both of those the mm-hmm. ability to build and the interest in building things from my father a sense of uh, place and style from my mother, that artistic, mm-hmm. and combined. Um, I think that's why I love doing restaurants and concepting, is it's not just the food, but it's everything from the tables, the chairs, experience. the, the yeah. experience. Yeah, I, I call it unity of concept. 
That's meaning phrase. that yes, you walk in and the place looks cool as far as the design of the building, the furniture matches, the uniforms, the music. There's a unity of what you're trying to convey to your guests. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's easier said than done. And it's not always done on the first try. We'll do a, a restaurant concept and go back in and say, you know, we, we missed it on this level. Mm-hmm. And then we... Can you, can you give an example it. of that? Of one where you're like, I felt like we missed it. Well, we, we did lose Bodega um, on the east side in Austin. I did not want it called to be called Lose. Our partner, Larry <laughs> McGuire, said, we're going to call it Lose. I was uh-huh. going, oh, no. But um, it was going to be a total rotisserie restaurant. We were doing uh, porchetta, uh, rotisserie beef, mm-hmm. chicken, and, and the foods that went with that. And we missed the mark on the, the food in and a little bit of the design in. It was a patio or has a patio in the back. Mm-hmm. And it just didn't click. And mm-hmm. customers were come, they loved the food, but we just didn't get the repeats. And about nine months in, I sat with Larry and my sister, who are partners on the deal, and said, it's not working the way we expected it to work. Mm-hmm. And what can we do to change it? So we changed the menu mix. We're still doing rotisserie. We added a burger because we looked at our com- competition in mm-hmm. that neighborhood and said, you know, we could kill it on this. We made some adjustments with fence heights and plantings on the patio. And about three months later, it just, it, it blew up. That's, so, so it, it takes some humility to do oh, that. Oh, it, it takes humility, yeah. but I always also have the, the motto, if there's no change, there's no change. By just doing the if same no thing. no change, there's no change. If so. you just sit there thinking, well, and I hear this from a lot of restaurateurs, my customers are so stupid. If they had better taste, if they understood yeah. this, they'd get what I'm doing and they'd give me their money. Yeah. And you're going, no, you're the, the guy who has no clue yeah. because you're not you're not giving your customers what they're wanting or they'd be in there giving you their money. Mm-hmm. So if there's no change, there's no change. You've got to sit back and reevaluate every day. And one thing we do in the restaurants, and I'm adamant about this, and, and I warn managers coming in, listen, we talk about it every day, the good, the bad, the whatever. We're going to talk every day about what did we do do right, what could we have done better? And they went, yeah, I can live by that. And about six months in, they're going, damn, I'm tired of getting my ass kicked. And I'm going, I'm not kicking what? your ass. We're yeah. just talking about what could we do better? Yeah, because if you want to grow, yeah. care, well, can you, what does that look on a practical level? Like, how do you do that? Is it like at the end of the shift, we have a specific meeting? Or how, how do you, how do you like pra- it's more, practically do it's that? It's more informal Okay. of, of, Every day, your key managers get together, either over a coffee or a beer, and say, all right, what, what did we... And you don't go through everything, but you go, what did we do well? Jimmy on the grill killed it tonight. Mm-hmm. What could we have done better? You know, the mashed potatoes were just a little bit loose. For example, we, we did the Fort Worth Food and Wine Festival Saturday event, mm-hmm. outdoor event. And we did slider, little slider hamburgers because we're reintroducing the hamburger at Roy Pope. Mm -hmm. And after the event, pulled all the guys together and said, the food was coming out great, flavor, blah, blah, blah. But the slice of the tomato 
was <laughs> they were inconsistent. Mm. Uh-huh. And instead of one little piece of cheese, we should have done two. Okay. This gives and, me a glimpse into, into the mind of Lou. Yeah. <laughs> but the but slice of the tomato was inconsistent. Yeah. But it, if you don't talk about it, yeah. if you don't talk about it, you're accepting mediocrity. Yeah. I, I think there's also an element of of dissatisfaction. Yeah. You know, I, I was think, thinking this morning I, uh, about just ha- kind of having an owner's mentality. We talk about yeah. that a lot. Yeah. And I think part of having an owner's mentality is just having this dissatisfaction. You, you still want to be grateful. Like, this yeah. is, I'm, I'm excited. We did a good work. I want to praise good work. But also, like, pushing, it can always be better. And I want to push to... And there's a fine line between a critical eye and standards and a, a room for variance yeah. to coming across as the guy that all he does is complain. Yeah. So that's a you, hard pendulum. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's a hard balance mm-hmm. of what is, because some days I'll go in and I'll go, Oh, do I say something? And I'm going, I've got to. Yeah. And, but it's, the, the the key there is agreeing on what your standards are. Mm-hmm. So everybody understands what your standards are. So if you if they don't achieve it, you can say, hey, you know, the chicken is a little bit too, and this happened two days ago, mm-hmm. the chicken is a little cooked a little bit too long. It's a little dark. And to our our standard is it should be between this color and this color. So you've got to give a standard, and then you've got to hold your people to that standard. Mm-hmm. But so, you're, also, you're also pushing that standard too. It sounds yeah. like you're also like, man, but, we can... but the thing is, you've got to get a buy-in from your people of what your standard is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then, if you if you don't achieve your standard, then you can talk about it. But if it's just you come in going, oh, I wish that was better. Well, define better. Mm-hmm. I wish that was more well done. Well, what it, what temperature are you talking about? Mm-hmm. So you've got to be very specific of what your standards are, and they've got to be measured. Measurable and achievable. Yeah, that's good. Measurable and achievable. Uh, okay, I want to go back to taking the the leap, so to speak, from I'm working in all of these kitchens. I'm learning, learning, learning. To- yeah, well, let's get back to the story. You were you left off. We were in. You're in Austin. You've yes. been there for a year or so, maybe maybe two. Yeah. And you said, okay, this is time to kind of. And what segued into that was, um, my sister was working. Um, at the attorney general's office. Mm-hmm. She had been in, in New York as an assistant district attorney at the same time I was at uh, CIA. So I would come in from Hyde Park and spend every weekend with her in Brooklyn Heights. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I went back to California, was working for Puck. She made the move from New York, got uh, burnt out of New York in, in the ADA's office and became uh, assistant attorney uh, for the, for the attorney general's office, mm-hmm. a prosecutor. Um, I moved back to Austin shortly after she did because I was ready to get back to Texas. And we were both living on South off of South Con- Congress, which at the time was not, no, was South not Congress, South was, Congress was crackheads and whores <laughs> <laughs> and the continental club was yeah. basically it. Uh-huh. But 
The, um, How did you wind up on South Congress then, if it was that? like Because Travis Heights neighborhood, Bolden Creek back behind Magnolia Cafe, there were some cool neighborhoods back yeah, there. Yeah, some old, old houses. Yeah, but South Congress was not the the strip it is now. Yeah, and you were working as a line chef or something. I was, like I was I mean, working was a... for the the big high-end caterer as the exec chef. Oh, okay. Doing the governor's mansion and Michael Dell. And so I, I was, that was another aspect of cooking, that catering part of it that I really wanted to learn. Mm -hmm. So I was uh, exec chef at Word of Mouth Catering. She was working for attorney general's office and people in the neighborhood were always complaining. There's no good coffee in Austin or South mm -hmm. Congress. And about that time, she bought the San Jose, which is a funny story because I was driving by there going, that would make a good restaurant. Oh, really? Okay. And I went by her house and she said, you're not going to believe this. I just put an offer on the San Jose and I went, damn. I'll... But anyway, so uh, that's funny. So people were complaining there's no good coffee. And then they came to me and said, you're a food guy, do a coffee shop. So I went to Liz, she had just bought the San Jose and I said, let's do a coffee shop. There was an old tire store on that corner there by the San Jose while you're waiting to renovate it. Wait, what year was this? <sighs> it was before coffee 90, shops were cool. 90, 91, I think. Wow, so this is way before coffee shops are cool. <laughs> no, it, no, 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 it wasn't 91. It was... Uh. It was 98, I think. Yeah, so the, but there was but not... But South Congress was nothing. Yeah, but then. even coffee shops. I mean, that's a, no. that was not a... But we w had both experienced it living in San Francisco, yeah. New York. You brought some of that. So there was an old tire store, mm -hmm. rinky tire store on the corner, and we said, Easy Lift will do a coffee shop. And we got into zoning and planning it out. And they said, you can't use that old tire shop. <laughs> so we decided we'll build something. And that was the original Joe's Coffee, na named after my mother, Joanne. Oh, okay. Mm. okay. And there's actually a restaurant right next at the Austin Motel mm -hmm. now named Joanne's. And it's got the big red lips because my mother always had the, the heavy red lipstick. So your so first concept was the coffee shop. I didn't know that. It was Joe's. I didn't know that. So with that... We had to do bake, uh, bake goods, mm -hmm. so we did a little commissary kitchen down the street, and I went, now is the time to do a restaurant. So through that commissary kitchen, we converted the front, and we did the original Lambert's on South Congress, which was— I didn't know Lam the original Lambert's was on South Congress. Yep. Interesting. So, and which was like bar barbecue. No, it was kind of American small bistro type uh, food. Okay. And uh, great accolades, and from there, it just kind of went from there doing other restaurants. So did you quit everything? Like, did you, yep. quit, you quit your job? Yep, and opened, opened a restaurant. And she, I guess, quit her job, too? She around. quit her job, and... Were your parents freaking out? Were they like, both our kids are... Yeah, kind of. Austin, <laughs> on, this, kind of cool. on this shady what, street. What are they the, doing? Yeah. But and when we opened Joe's, um, and I can't remember... I'm sure they were flattered that you named it. Yeah. yeah. But uh, there was a... Kelso was his name. He did... He was kind of like our Bud Kennedy. Okay. And he did an article... Uh, in the Austin American Statement, statesman that basically said, 
who the hell is going to sit on South Congress and drink coffee? Uh-huh. <laughs> a latte on South uh, Congress. Do you still have that article? Yeah. Oh, man. I, I hope that's like framed <laughs> somewhere. That's awesome. Yeah. So the, so this, they, they went well? I'm assuming they went well. Well, the, the first six months of Joe's, we were going, what the hell have I done? Because oh, really? <laughs> it was uh, going into uh, to winter it was cold as hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody was sitting on South Congress. Kelso was right. Uh-huh. And it took about nine months or so before it just started catching on and mm-hmm. it became that neighborhood hang. Wow. But but in a early lesson is it's never easy. Yeah. I mean, it's, you've got to want it. You've got to show up every day. And when you say never, like, it's never easy. Like, is no. it ever, is it ever easy? No, ever? Okay. it's never easy. Yeah, have you ever started any restaurant that's easy? <laughs> no, they all take longer. Uh, you have less sleep, cost more money, more challenges, but it's part of it. Yeah. It's, it's just part of create creating something. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I tell all folks that have not opened a restaurant for the six months, you walk in every day and pull your hair out going, when are they going to get it? When is this going to smooth down? And after about six months, you walk in one day and go, everybody showed up. Mm-hmm. Mm. There's the place in burning down. Everything's working. And that is all due to the, the results of, <laughs> of having your standards and holding your people accountable. Did you know how to do that then? No. no. <laughs> you just, you learn. <laughs> so so those those two restaurant coffee shop kind of the first first two ventures. Yep. And what during that time there's always we we always hear commonalities between stories. Uh when, when did you ever have a moment where you're like we're going to quit? Like we're going to shut these things down. I never had we never said we're going to shut them down. Okay. We always went in and said, what can we do better? Okay. But I had borrowed Going money. Going back to that previous thing you were yeah. saying. And, yeah. But we had borrowed money from from the, the family and sure. we're going, we got to make this work. There's no change. Yeah. There's no change. <laughs> no, there's no. And yeah. so it's not it's not like, well, lock the lock the door, walk mm-hmm. away from it. It's It's got to work. Was there a moment where it did start to work where you're like, oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. yeah. What, what was that? Do you remember that? When um, we're a firm believer, and it took me a while, but a firm believer in the numbers, the numbers don't lie. So, so you started making profit, I'm, I started guess. started making profit. And you're like, oh. Where, were you always a numbers person? Like, were you always like... No, because it's it's not intuitive, and it's something that you've got to learn. But early on, I was convinced that don't be afraid of the numbers, embrace the numbers, because... If you can understand your numbers and how how they work, your life is going to be so much easier because you're not living paycheck paycheck mm-hmm. to paycheck, and you can you can control the outcome of your numbers by like food costs. Do you have waste? Do you are you charging enough? Are are you overpaying or are things selling? Labor costs. You've got mm-hmm. to study labor. And go well. Either I'm not charging enough, or I'm not controlling labor, or I've got too many. So, by embracing that, in, that empowers you to do the thing you love. Mm-hmm. Because if 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 it wasn't for having to make a living, I would be at the wood shop every day 
screwing around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and not worry about the numbers. Yeah. Yeah. So what so what happened next? So what what was the those um, two started working. Those two st- You got you got them like People are coming to South Congress. Um, restaurants are making a little bit of money. Um, I did a couple of things with my sister through the hotel end. She would pull me in. I would pull her in on some design stuff. And since then, we've done stuff together. But I did a side gig, uh, Crestline Hotels and Resorts, because I was doing a little stuff with my sister approached me to work for them for a short while. So I went to work for Crestline Hotels based out of McLean, Virginia. They were doing some Texas projects. Hmm. So did the food and beverage for them. All while Lambert's is still going? Yeah. Okay. And then um, Larry McGuire, who started working for us when he was 16, um, he, I had put him in one of the Crestline Hotels. He had been a line cook for us mm-hmm. at Lambert's. And he came in one day and said, I, I have got this opportunity of this old historic building downtown. Let's put the uh, team together and do that. So we did Lambert's Downtown Barbecue. Which, and that was a different concept. Yep. Okay, okay. Totally different concept. And then from there, it's just and that, doing that, other hotels like, and other restaurants. I, I know you said you, you have, you've done a lot of different types of concepts, a lot yeah. of different types of foods, yeah. and you're not a one-trick pony. But when, when I think of like... Your like signature move, so to speak. Yeah. I generally think of that like meat on a fire, <laughs> like yeah. and a little cowboy, just, cowboy. You know. And I think that's from my background. Yeah. Is even when I was working for Wolfgang Puck, mm-hmm. and one of the first jobs I had there was hot prep. Mm-hmm. Hot prep guy does all the stocks, the sauces, and a lot of the things that end up going to the line Mm -hmm. that they create, the line cooks create the dishes for. But the other thing that the hot prep guy had to do was cook lunch for all the staff. Mm -hmm. And most people hated it because they had so many things going on. They had to stop and feed 40 people, 50 people uh, every day. And people would walk by to see who was working hot prep and go, oh, lunch is going to be terrible today. Uh It's Jimmy or it's whoever, because they just throw crap up there. All right, guys, we're interrupting your podcast experience once again. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But we are giving you something for free. So it's totally worth it. Yeah. We recently released a document called The Storytelling Pathway on our website. It is our playbook for success, for growing brands, for marketing. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's every literally everything that we do at Sixth Avenue Storytelling, and we want to share it with the world. We want to give it to you. So in addition to these nuggets that you're learning on this podcast, you can get our free playbook, free manual for how you grow your business from Sixth Avenue Sixth Storytelling. Storytelling. Yeah, it's that's the right. Storytelling, and it's really, really good. It's Where do you find it? It's SixthAvenueStorytelling.com. There you go. And it's good. Go get it. Go download it. I promise it's going to help your business. I embraced it because uh-huh. it gave me opportunity to, to show everybody there what my cooking was about. Uh-huh. So, and they always made fun of me, not made fun, but pointed out very, uh, very much that I'm from Texas, the, Texas the, guy. the ranch guy. <laughs> so I embraced that and would do everything for um, 
barbecue chicken out of the the Japanese duck oven to pinto beans to meatloaf to the foods I grew up eating. Yeah. And I got to where they're going, we love your food. Yeah. And it, it was, it stoked me. But at the same time, that's part of what the reason I do what I do is you're feeding people and satisfying them. Mm-hmm. It, it's like you singing. Mm-hmm. You get that immediate reaction of people yeah, yeah. looking at it, and you see it in you their eyes. You can feel it. You can feel, can feel that they're digging it. Yeah. And I just I got off on on being able to to do my food and feed people. But did we, that's kind of would you say that's kind of your vibe, like the little it's the Texas yeah flair to and it. it's it's not conscious. It's just okay. I go back to the foods I love yeah. that I grew up eating, that that I put my spin on. The and so yeah. So, so it, it wasn't a conscious effort to be. Yeah, the, it, just, the, it just came came out. Yeah. yeah, but so so you put in the third concept, which is like kind of a, a barbecue. Yep. And did that, was that going well? Was that good? Was it bad? Again, it, learning curves there <laughs> took a while. Okay. Uh, we uh, did a music venue upstairs. Oh, really? And still going. And but there again, every one of these. Unless you're duplicating something to the T, even then it's not always easy, but these one-off concepts are always challenging. Mm-hmm. So you had a music component, and that you, yeah. ha- you have a bunch of musician friends. Like I, I have a lot of musician and is friends. That, is that why? Because you started having... No, I just think it's the circle I run in and my sister runs in mm-hmm. is attracts ne'er-do-well musicians <laughs> like you, Jamie. You're, uh-huh. you're, you guys are part of the... Pirate gang, the pirate gang. Well, let's. Oh, so let's talk about that because I think that also, y- you and your sister have have had this. I don't know if like a magic eight ball. You've like predicted mm-hmm. these spaces that have blown up. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if you've predicted them. I think you've kind of caused them. You've put in these really creative, yeah. beautiful spaces, like like South Main, for example, yeah. or even White Settlement, or, or South Congress, and even downtown. Like, where did that? Was it just luck? Was it like we have a vision for what it should be, or like? I think it's a, I think it's the ability to see something, and see value in it, and see longevity in, in it, mm-hmm. and something that you're going, why didn't somebody else think of this, or that could be so dang cool, mm-hmm. and then no fear, <laughs> okay, of putting your ass out there yeah. and trying it. That and that's one thing people don't understand, and I think with all artists is. Every time you're doing something, you're very exposed. Yeah, it's they're vulnerable. And people go, well, uh, they're a little stuck up, or they're this or that. I think it's shyness and just that vulnerability of taking a risk, taking a risk. But even more than just a financial risk, you're putting your name out there and putting your face on something, and then standing there as people sit there and eat it. And have the ability to judge you going, yeah. that was good, that was bad, that was, it's, you gotta it's have a trip. Skin. You've got to have a thick skin and you've got to have a little bit of, I hate to say ego, mm-hmm. to put your ass out there every day and go, mm-hmm. come on. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like whenever we did the the 411, it, we, we did not, we didn't do any commercial development before that mm-hmm. really. Yeah, I we mean, didn't know what we were doing. I dabbled in it. We didn't know what we were doing though. Yeah. And you kind of laid out uh, the, the platform anyway. So when we got a head start even... Compared to most commercial developers, and so we were like, but at the time, South Main didn't have any retail. It didn't have a no. restaurant. It didn't have anything. And so we were like, we're going to be kind of the first people out there. And so we're going to make this building 
cool. We think it's cool. Yeah. Lou's already made it kind of, he's made it pretty awesome. Made it look cool. We're going to make it like trying to elevate a little bit, bring people in and turn it from a man cave into a space where people are going to like retail are going to come. So let's, let's see. And we're just going to hope. Yeah. Like we're going to hope that other people think this is cool too. So, but there's a hope and also like some swagger and going, yeah, of like, I think we can, you, you've got to have the self-confidence. Yeah. So my that. question is, is it, it worked. And at first it's always like uh, yeah. six months, even a year. It was like, man, I still like, we're like, is it, is it going to yeah. ever get to where we think it's going to get to? So my question is, is you've obviously experienced that multiple, times. multiple times. I mean, yeah. 10, 10 plus times, 20 plus times. Has there ever been a time where you're like, man, this is going to be really cool. And, and it just falls flat. And then it doesn't work out, or is it? Have you, have you just said, "Well, it didn't work out like we had to, so we're going to tweak, we're going to change because there's no change." You know, we're going to. One one example is, and I, I think, <clears throat> I think adversity and struggle and failure. I think you learn from that. You don't. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be afraid of failure. Um, one example of that is the Lamberts uh, in Fort Worth. We, I was brought in, same team that did Dutch's in, investors there, and we were. I was not supposed to be the operator in that location, mm. and that was more on my end. And I hadn't, I don't think I was living in Fort Worth full time at that point. I wasn't going to be the operator there. The operator we were going to put in there, we had a meltdown with. Mm-hmm. So, kind of last man standing, do something there. I got into it more on the real estate end of it. Mm-hmm. I like the building, but uh, th- there were some challenges there. Location, parking, it would have not been my first choice. Mm-hmm. And after several years of operating there, and and I tell people this all the time, it takes just as much capital dollars and your time sink and in investment to open something in a stellar location that is busy seven days a week, it takes just as much capital to open somewhere in somewhere that you're, that's not a great location. Mm-hmm. And we were just challenged with the location, parking, a lot of things there. And after, and I forget how long we were open, I brought in the partners and I said, I need to invest resources in other things it's it's time and it's it, it, it was it was not working yeah yeah and an old restaurant buddy of my father said told me once when you dread driving up for whatever reason mm-hmm. and you're not getting joy and satisfaction out of them shut it down yeah mm. that's so, a hard thing to do I mean, it's, like, it's it's hard yeah. it is it's the hardest baby. thing i've ever ever done your name is on it too yeah. so it's a little embarrassing you're like yeah. man this Hold is on. and i i was never embarrassed it was just frustrated and yeah, but at some point you just got to you, you've got to you've got to be a realist. Mm-hmm. You said that was the hardest thing, you, one of the hardest things you've ever yeah. done. That that is a unique statement. Like, I mean, that so expound on that oh, a little so, bit. Like, I mean, did it that that time period was it like you knew you needed to and kind of waited a little bit? Was it, it just, exactly? Okay. It was just and and we tried <clears throat> different things there. And at the end of the day, you've got to be a realist and go, is it location? Is it what? Why are we not getting traction here? Mm-hmm. And at some point, you've got to say, you know, 
time has so much value. My time is the most valuable commodity I have, and my good people that are working there. And so and you, you have other stuff that's working really well yeah, at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> so it's so Man. you're not going to hit a hundred percent all the time. Although I I would argue that with with the location and the concept, you. I, if though if that was here today, like yeah, 2021 would be crushing it. Yeah, <laughs> you. I feel like you were an early adopter in the concept. Yeah. That concept yeah. was a little forward for Fort Worth at the time, and the location. Like that was before what seventh. That was before. You and know, you and you've got this a, whole development was and happening. We didn't read our demographic. The foundry, the foundry wasn't there. Yeah. And now that's all heat. And yeah. now this is like popping. Yeah, and but and that's the other big thing is. We do. I, I'm a believer in uh, the the facts and what what your demographics are. You've got to understand your demographics. Mm-hmm. You've got to understand your your competition. You can't just and a lot of people do it. They just open up regardless. They're going, oh, I can make a, a great Not whatever blind optimism. Yeah, blind optimism. Yeah. At some point. With a lot of dollars at stake, you've got to do your due diligence. Look mm-hmm. at your dem- demographic. Look, look at your competition. We do it every day, mm-hmm. mm. and that's good. And so, fa- so fast forward to well, how, so how did you wind up back in Fort Worth? You had all this stuff happening in Austin. I still do have a lot of stuff happening in Austin, and and in and in West, like in Marfa. Yeah, Marfa is a great example of like nothing. Like, well, we nothing was there. In York, like, yeah. Well, Donald Judd can be thanked okay. for sparking Marfa, but I was did the Duchess concept still living in Austin? We were doing Lambert's, and I was back and forth, mm-hmm. and I was going. You know, I've always loved Fort Worth. Okay, Austin was getting busier there's and a, busier. There's a family history. There's family history from just being a ranching family in West Texas. Fort Worth uh, through TCU, uh, the the large city closest to Odessa was where everyone came. Mm-hmm. This is where they came shopping. This is where. So and then I had cousins after school that stayed here. Mm-hmm. So I had family here. I had deep connections. Always loved Fort Worth, but I was back and forth between here and Austin, and at some point uh, got a small house here. And me and my partner are going, you know, love Fort Worth, let's reverse this and make Fort Worth our permanent residence and then do the side trips to Austin, which I currently do. Mm-hmm. And I love both cities, but Fort y'all, Worth y'all is y'all home. Move, when did y'all move here? Oh, I am terrible okay. on time. <laughs> uh, but I, nine years ago, okay. I think. I, I honestly did. Ten years ago. If I'm being honest, like yeah. w- w- going back to the 411 story, going in there and kind of figure out, learning that who yeah. you were and all the things, I was kind of shocked that you lived in Fort Worth. Because yeah. I, I, we're just always a little bit behind. I yeah. feel like Fort Worth is doing some pretty rad stuff now, but we're always yeah. behind San Francisco, behind New York, behind yeah, all yeah. the, you know. And I was kind of shocked. I was like, man, this, the, he's living here? Like, it, but, but the thing is, I, my brother, twin brother went to UT. Mm-hmm. So I spent 80s, 90s around Austin. Austin, back in the 80s, 90s, the things that pulled me to Austin, the vibe, the livability. Mm-hmm. Fort Worth has got that. When we moved here full time, I was going, 
this is like a livable Austin. Yeah, it is Meaning, very, very livable. It's a neat town. music, good food, mm-hmm. great neighborhoods, great schools. All the things that, for me, give me quality of life mm-hmm. is I find in Fort Worth. Mm. And, and I still love Austin, but the pace, the cost of living, the the yeah. the hipsterism, the <laughs> I, it's just <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to say that politely. Yeah, but it's good. just, and I still love Austin. Yeah, it, it, adore Austin, but. At my age, where I am at my career, yeah. I just, I dig forth. Yeah, I, lo- I love that. I yeah. love that you, I, I'm really glad that you're here. I feel yeah. like, because I feel like you've helped bring a unique perspective. Well, I can just do some. Well, and I, I know a lot of Austin folks that are moving here. We were talking to our buddy, Robert Ellis, yeah. musician, musician yeah. consciously, voluntarily said, I want to be in Fort Worth. Because it's such a and great, so, it's yeah. a slower pace of life. It's yeah. friendly. It's more But it's creative and Fort Worth embraces creativity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I so you, kind you of felt that, you felt that yeah. when you got here. You're like, man, yeah. that's really cool. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. And and then staying on the Fort Worth sort of bandwagon, you are, I don't know if this is the riskiest thing you've ever done or just like you've started all these neat things. Yep. And I would say the past year and a half, maybe it's been two years, I don't know how, yeah. you are now tackling Fort Worth institutions. You know, like, that, that was not a conscious decision. Okay. <laughs> I, consciously, I was trying not to do projects in Fort Worth, so when I was here, I wasn't working. So people would leave you alone. Yep, yeah, okay. exactly. But, but you're an entrepreneur. And you I'm can't an help entrepreneur, <laughs> and I had always been intrigued by... Uh, especially grocery stores, Dean and DeLuca in New York, mm-hmm. and just little mm-hmm. neighborhood. And living in New York, living in San Francisco, I loved little neighborhood grocery stores mm-hmm. because th- that's how you shop there. Instead of going to a big box, uh, H-E-B or something, yeah. you would buy what you needed for the day. At the you bodega. Would, down, at yeah. the bodega. Yeah. You would meet for coffee at the bodega. And someone whispered in my ear, hey, we hear Roy Pope is... Up, or the, they're thinking of selling, and for the people that don't don't know Roy Pope, it's I think it started in the '40s, '46, but was specialty grocery store for the West Side. They're known for just their customer service. People would have house accounts there, so generations of people in Fort Worth grew up going to Roy Pope Mm -hmm. and they would do fried chicken and they were the first place that did bluebell ice cream. Hmm. Uh, first grocery store. Uh, they would do home delivery. but it So it just had that special vibe in Fort Worth. Uh, it was a little long in the tooth, loved the old owners, but it just had been, it hadn't been renovated or brought up. And he, he would even admit to kind of our day of, of standards and kind of expectations. Mm-hmm. So I was going, that would be such a cool project, but you know, I don't want to tackle that. Well, I got a call from a <laughs> old fraternity brother who's in real estate, uh-huh. and uh, Roger Shefflow, and then Mark Harris, who's a I love real estate Ro- guy. I, Ro- I have a couple of Roger's hats. Oh, Roger, Ro- Roger is uh, like one of those guys that he infuriates you, but I love the guy <laughs> because I've known him since college. So. They approached me and they came and they said, we've got a, we want you to do this project with mm-hmm. me. And I went, oh, what is it? And they said, Roy Pope. And I went, oh. 
But you and you you had thought about right, right. I had thought about it before, and I was going. I said, if I can bring in an operating team and kind of structure, it, and they said, hey, we're real estate guys. Mm-hmm. You you take operations, we'll take real estate, we'll do the renovation. Mm-hmm. And I went, if I have partners on this deal. Mm-hmm. I'll do it. Mm-hmm. And I brought in uh, a guy named Chris Reel, who's worked for us mm-hmm. for since he was 16. He was in high school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's graduated from TCU and uh, has done so much with us restaurant catering wise. And I, I said, let me check with Chris. And I brought Chris in. I said, Chris, will you do this? He said, yeah, uh-huh. let's do it. So we went in. Uh, of course, during COVID, uh, did a complete gut renovation and, and put Roy Pope in. So, and it's a huge learning curve, still a learning curve yeah. because of short being short-staffed, which we've taken care of now. <coughs> Great team in there. Um, and then now everything's short supply. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's hard to get product. It's hard yeah. to get product. But it's and, beautiful. And it's it's people. It, like, you have made. It's like a grocery store. Did you call it a grocery store? Yeah. But people talk about it. I think that's that's kind of good. Like, I have a bunch of friends that love. It. There's a bunch of people on our 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 employees, our staff that mm-hmm. love it. They're like, yeah. go get coffee there all the time. Like, then we we did our job. Yeah, it's neat. And now, and you're also tack. So you, you didn't just stop there. You're like, okay, we ta- we we're doing this. And now it's also what, Paris Coffee Shop. How the heck did that? Paris was kind of the same. You're like, I'm just on a roll. I'm going to (laughs) keep. No, Roger Sheflo, who is Roger came in one day Uh at our one of our partners meeting and said, are y'all ready for another one? And I said, what? I've only been doing this for two (laughs) months. He said, well, (laughs) a year for renovation. He said Paris Coffee Shop. And I, and again, has near and dear to my heart. My father went to TCU Mm -hmm. and he played ball at TCU and lives in West Texas, but has a home in Fort Worth. But since graduating from TCU, other than when he was in the Air Force, he has been to every home TCU football game Wow! for all cool. these years. So uh, he would come in and his running uh, group from TCU days would every Saturday go- sit at the same table. Oh, that's cool. And I would go into to Paris. So to me, it was one of those iconic restaurants. And Paris was started in the 20s, I believe. Wow. And supposedly is there's dispute between it and another restaurant, which is the longest continuing restaurant in Fort Worth. Hmm. But Paris is claims to be. I mean, it's an institution. It's, it's an institution. Yeah. Yeah. But again, like Pope... Uh, everybody has an opinion uh, or uh, this it's dear and near and dear to their heart. They're going, don't change anything. I love it. Well, how many times do you go in there? Well, not that often it's filthy and the food isn't good, <laughs> but <laughs> hadn't changed in 50 years. Yeah. Yeah. But so we, we are in the process now of gutting it and doing a complete uh, remodel, but we are embracing Paris Coffee Shop as what it is. We bought the intellectual property, everything about it. So we're going back in as Paris Coffee Shop Diner. The layout is going to be very much the same. Mm-hmm. But instead of just breakfast, lunch, uh, six days a week, we're going to do breakfast, lunch, dinner, seven days a week. We're going to 
um, add a beer, wine, liquor component to okay. it. Okay. So it's not going to be a bar, but you yeah. can get a glass of wine, a beer. Yeah, it'll have with dinner, dinner, which it, it never has had. Yeah. That. Yeah. yeah. That's Which, it. I'm excited for that. By the way, one of your first customers is going to be my eight-year-old son who I love is it. carrying on the Fort Worth tradition. I told him about the history of Paris Coffee Shop. And so that's, for whatever reason, at three or four years old, that became his favorite restaurant. I love it. So whenever I told him, hey, it's coming, it's actually coming back, it was shut down. He was real sad. So he's going to be one of your first customers. Tell him there. to bring all his buddies yeah, and say, his daddy with a yeah, fat, that's right. fat wallet. Check. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. But are you, and are you can do any more of these? I mean, this is like, you seem like you're on a roll right no. now. No. Oh, Joe T's. Is, the next, no, next purchase I, is Joe T's. I love the land carts. No, uh, th this is enough. Okay. Enough to okay. say grace over. Yeah. It's, I'm, I'm trying to slow down a little bit. You are. You don't seem like you're trying to slow down. Well, yeah. my sister and I, she did the hotel in uh, Todos Santos, north of Cabo. Which is beautiful. We've, it, we've both been there. Yeah. Oh, have y'all been there? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dude, Loved it. I did the food and beverage for there, but I oh, was yeah. there before that thing had even broken ground. So I worked with my sister. What is the hotel? What mm -hmm. is the food and beverage? Work with our You drive down like this it. dirt road oh, for it's forever. Fantastic. And then it's like, where did this come from? But fell in, I've always loved Mexico, but yeah. fell in love with Todos Santos. Yeah. And about two years, three years ago, my sister and I bought two houses next door to each other on the beach out of Pescadero. Okay. So the last three years, and this is the, the good and the bad of being blessed with good taste and wanting to do <laughs> stuff, is you have a sister who really loves that and has very expensive taste. And she goes big. Yeah. She's yeah. like, she's not so, like, we're just gonna put a house in. Let's so a, we got these two houses and we're putting them together. <laughs> okay. And it's been a long, we're almost done with it, but okay. we can sleep. I think there's four buildings on the property, wow. pool, beach and how, side. how close is it to the hotel? It's the crow's flies maybe half a mile, but you've oh. got to go out to the main road and then back down the dirt roads. Yeah. But we can sleep like 30 people there. Oh, that's fun. So you've basically created a mini hotel yeah. next exactly. to you. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like the, the waves crashed and oh. the food program was great. Thank we had you. like a fantastic drinks and we, we, yeah. ate, we, like, yeah. we spent they, like six hours there. We like passed out on the... Uh, yeah. But... but Going into winter, the wells will start migrating oh, up there. Cool. And we're right by uh, San Pedrito, which is a killer surf beach. Mm -hmm. I'm a West Texas guy. I don't surf. Yeah. I get out there and paddle around. Uh -huh. But you wake up in the morning on the on the porch with your coffee, and the sun's coming up, and there's 20 guys out there surfing. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's, cool. it's magical. That's mm -hmm. really neat. Mm -hmm. and, but, but, but like that, and then even in, like, you kind of, you know, those are two examples of, of finding a place where, like, I didn't know about it, you know, until yeah. how did y'all find, like, how'd you find that spot? That, uh, Todos Santos was the, a lot of Americans have been going down there for years since fifties, mm sixties, -hmm. but they didn't have the highway system there. So mm -hmm. it was, it was a trek and hard to get there from yeah. Cabo. The, the, uh, Mexican government came in and I forget what year it was, what, but purposely connected some of these really cool spots with a highway, uh, mm -hmm. an upgraded highway system. So someone approached my sister on a hotel and I get pitched restaurants all the time. She's pitched hotels all the time, said, come down here. And she was doing a favor. Yeah, yeah, I'll go down there. And it reminds me and it reminded her a lot of Marfa in that it's, 
you've got to want to get there to be there. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of isolated, that high desert, and fell in love with it and agreed to do the hotel mm. there. Okay. It's it's kind of like... It, it's almost like playing a vinyl record where it's a lot of work. <laughs> you yeah. pull this thing out and clean it off. and you put, But it's part of like the chat, like it, you got to want to be there. But part of like the charm is you got to drive and go and it's a little harder work, but it makes it It makes experience. it even more special. And it, yeah. the same thing with Martha. We ranch out there in that area. Mm-hmm. And so I've spent my life around Marfa, Fort Davis, Alpine. Mm-hmm. And when I was growing up, Marfa was a Fort uh, four-way stop sign, mm-hmm. and that was it. You drove through. Yeah. Uh, Donald Judd g- came out there, and I forget what years that was, 80s, and created this art, kind of hip art compound. Mm-hmm. And once he died, they did Shanati Foundation and started. people started coming out there kind of doing pilgrimages. And then it just became... It, uh, the Dallas people, Houston people, people with money kind of said, this is cool. And that put their blessing on it. Mm-hmm. And it became kind of a, a journey for everybody to go out there. Yeah. And it's just kind of grown on itself. Yeah. The hipness of it. And But I think part of with, with all of these spaces, with with Austin, with South Maine, with kind of going back to what, what you said earlier, you have yeah. a, kind of these ragtag musician friend, the pirates. <laughs> but I, th- I think part of like, but those are the people too that shape culture, yeah. you know, and you, and you guys have been kind of influential in bringing a community. Yeah. Cause there's a community, you know, it's a community. It, it is. It, it totally is. And, and those I, are who get people excited about, you'll do these events. Think, and, and I think that's part of, and it's not, it's not with the end goal of we're going to invite cool people. So other cool people will come. It's just, we it's we yeah, we friends. we buy in and believe in these projects because yeah. we f- we find it interesting, intriguing, cool, and then we call our buddies, like we used to do deals at the warehouse, mm-hmm. the main street, and I'd call my musician friends. We're doing a fundraiser. Come come play. Uh, yeah. Do you know Dan Dyer? Uh-huh. I, yeah, I'm familiar. Dan, I don't know him well, but I know his it's music. Sweet, yeah. but people like Dan and our other buddies that are musicians. And they come in and they go, this is cool. This, yeah. And you feed on each other. And I think people coming to the events feed on that just kind of experience. This is fun. And this is, a, yeah. And I think you just, mom, you create momentum. Mm-hmm. Cool I, uh, brings cool. I don't yeah. know. But I will say this, because you get somebody that's very blue collar. Like yeah. I would say not really fancy taste in myself. I'm pointing yeah. to myself here. Uh, you get Jamie, who's very, tr- he knows trends. He knows what's cool. And so you can create a space though, that I think, you know, somebody like me, whenever it's like some new cool hip restaurant, yeah. I, don't, I don't necessarily want to go to it. I'm like, Oh, I mean, yeah. I, you know, I still feel comfortable in my burger and mashed or you yeah. know, chicken fried steak and mashed potatoes. But there's, there's something that that's inviting about every place that you create, even the restaurants that you're creating, because it's not just so trendy where it's a, 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 not approachable. Cool feels temporary. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like part of y- you have created very authentic, special places. And approachable, I yeah, would say. Approachable, but it's yeah. not It's not like tr- it's cool. People are all like, this is cool, but it's not like cheap. Cool. But it's, yeah. you but know? it's, it's real. Yeah. It's authentic. If you, it's not, 
a plastic trinket. Yeah, it's not a plastic. It's yeah. it's it's real uh, and it has soul. Uh huh. Yeah. My my sister at mm. the uh, um, which hotel is it? The Magdalena mm-hmm. wrote or has Evan Smith who I mean Evan Smith Evan Boyles who does Neon Jungle all the uh, neon artwork on South mm-hmm. Congress. It's above the pool. It says Soul S O U L, and but the backstory on that is he was in Louisiana and there was some uh, casino going out of business and it had a neon sign that said Louisiana. Uh huh. So he bought L O U S, thinking awesome. that someday he was going to sell it to me. Uh-huh. <laughs> that I'd create a restaurant called Lou's, which I did. Oh, he bought uh-huh. L- oh and it's <laughs> instead of Louisiana, but L O U S. And my sister was doing the hotel, and she needed a neon, and she went, and she was going through his boneyard and said, I want that. I want it sold. And she went, he went, but I got that for your brother. I don't care. No, uh, give it to me. So that sold. is funny. But, but everything, we, and it's not a conscious effort. It's what feels good to us yeah. is, a, is a team. It's got to have soul, and it's got to have meaning, and it's got to have some truth to it. Mm-hmm. I we, think that being part of a community is a big piece of yeah, that. Like yeah. you're trying to create this place for a community for people to be invited into. And that to me is what separates the cool, trendy, yeah. you know, that's what allows that, you know, everyone to feel invited, everyone yeah. to feel approachable and authentic. Yeah. And, and we talk a lot about soul. That's what the podcast is called. Real, oh, called that's right. Stories yeah. with soul. Yeah. We, we, when we start got into real estate, we're like, man, I I hate a lot of real estate because it feels so like blood sucking. Yeah, you know, it, it is. When we're like, could we do real estate with soul? So when we lost yeah. six Avenue Homes, we said we want to do real estate with soul because something that has soul has like a heart to it, has yeah. a purpose to it, but also makes you feel something. Yeah, when you walk in, you, mm-hmm. I, I want to inspire people. So we we talk a lot about soul, um, which so it resonates hearing yeah. you say that. I'm like that. But but if if you think of what you're doing, housing where you mm-hmm. live. Your food, your where you're staying, that's got to almost put its arm around you. You've got to be yeah. comfortable. You got to, and and I've been all over the world eating at a lot of restaurants. It's got to be approachable. It's got to. I, I'm never going to go somewhere that they're juggling heads of lettuce and painting pictures on a plate, uh-huh. and they're doing it just to say, look at me, look how yeah. tricky I am. Yeah. Mm. We never want to do anything that we're just going, b- b- look how flashy I am, because it's going to be a, just a flash in the pan. Yeah. But you also have really good taste. Well, thank you. <laughs> which is a sp- like sometimes that's helpful. sometimes which is a spit like a spit like and you're sit like you have really good t- and not everybody has that. That yeah. that's that's something I don't know that you can recreate that. I don't know I don't think everybody has that. Like you, you have just crushed every entrepreneur restaurateur's <laughs> dream right there. You got to have a ma- there's some sort of magic. <clears throat> yeah. You know. And I I think part of that is is Get life experiences. You've got to go look, see. You don't. You aren't just born and uh, grow up in a bubble and mm-hmm. and have good taste. You've got to expose yourself, not just with food, but yeah. design. And you've got to open your mind to. That's not thirty years of grinding. You're no, it's about. thirty. <laughs> yeah. But then you've got to take that and develop your own repertoire of mm-hmm. who am I. Yeah. It's like is a in your yourself as a person, 
some you've got to sit back and go who I am what am I trying to convey here what who am I as a person what what is my style what is my food what is do you do you feel it's like, not always conscious but you can you got articulate to have those, that do you like I can, can you answer try. how would you <laughs> articulate is, that which part of that ramble? who you are as a person and what you want like can you put that into words that is very difficult to put into words I, you can you've made spaces that i feel like this is on brand for lou this is very lou but can you articulate just, it that i think my food and my sense of style is a little bit utility meaning uh it's approachable it's conceivable meaning I'm not trying to every step I take style food housing of being tricky I'm trying to be very approachable mm -hmm. uh, something comfortable kind of I tell my guys our, our job is to meet or exceed expectations so did that make any sense? Yeah. yeah I, I, I'm, I'm not trying to be tricky. I, I, I find that my food is comforting, uh, exceeding expectations in that it may be a roasted chicken, but I'm going to take the time to source the best chicken yeah. and method. The same thing with design. It, we're not going to... Uh, it's not fancy. It's not fancy. It's like pinto but, beans. You see, you yeah. can make pinto beans is like the most boring, simple food. Yeah, but you're, like, but you're gonna make it even like really design. <laughs> and I early this morning was yeah. at a construction meeting for Paris Coffee Shop, mm -hmm. and the question is, you, you work. We've got someone helping us on design, trying to do a bunch of this tile, and I went, "That's very expected. Could we do something that's a little simpler? Mm -hmm. Like, can we do a plaster or Venetia plaster that's if you look at it, it's not flashy, but if you really look at it, you go, look how well done that is. Look at the patina. Look at the craftsmanship of doing that simple plaster wall. Mm -hmm. So that's the, the approach to living and food is don't try to be flashy. Yeah. Just do it better than anyone else. Yeah, I like that. I love that. Okay, <clears throat> so I got a question. Uh, legacy, right? You have... You, I feel like you have made your stamp in Austin and Marfa and in Mexico. We're going international, um, <laughs> and now in Fort Worth with taking over kind of these institutions, institutional restaurants, um, recreating them. I mm -hmm. mean, but keeping the legacy there, but also doing it in a new way with uh, excellence is what I yeah. would say. Yeah, kind of re reusing uh, or reframing your words. But um, five, ten years from now, is this? Is that is this kind of like a bookend of restaurants? Is this never say never, right? Is the is the Roy Pope is the um, Paris Coffee Shop? Is that something that's kind of like this is a bookend to that? Is this kind of leading into more Fort Worth things? Like, what do you feel like legacy? What's the next five ten years look like? Um, I've probably the last five years or so. I don't typically go out and look for projects. Mm -hmm. It's you keep your eyes open and listen to people of what's happening, what's going on. And I'm fortunate that I'm at the point in my career that I can pick and choose what projects I want to do. Mm -hmm. So it's at this point is if there's a project that's really speaks to me, I'll get involved with it. Whether is just solely as an investor 
or as somebody giving advice or as part of the operations team. But I, I'm also at the point that I'm trying to build a good team and already have of people that I can support in doing what I did 20 years ago. Mm. So you're kind of giving, raising up the next, the next. Yeah. Because it, and it's, it's Chris would be one of those. Yeah. Chris, yeah. Chris real is one of those guys of, because, and it's a little bit giving back yeah. and it's all, also a little bit self-serving because it, frees you up to do more projects, mm-hmm. but it also gives me the chance to give back to, to the guys and gals that are coming up mm-hmm. and, and put them in a, and like some of the team in Austin partners there, they're going, ah, stay away until they need something. Then they'll call with, <laughs> but it's giving, giving them the, the knowledge and the wings to do whatever they want to do. And you're intentionally thinking about that. Oh, yeah. That's well, that, awesome. that, that is le- legacy, right? I mean, leadership, you hear all the time, is like a true true stamp of leadership, true mark of leadership is whenever you step away or you're not there, how well yeah. does a team yeah. do? How well does, how well does a team do? And obviously they're doing well. And by yeah. doing that, you're allowing to give back. You're then cre- being a good leader, but you're also creating a legacy of here's the impact, m- impact multiplied yeah. through I mean, multiple people, hundreds of people now. Um, and the, is that the, kind of the kind of the intention of the next five, I don't 10 think years? If, do I don't more know if more? it's a conscious decision, but it is the intent sure. to to uh, be able to do other projects. The, the hardest thing I learned is <clears throat> is to trust people and to empower people and to to get a lot of feedback. It's 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 easier if you have one or three people doing a project and you sit down, drink coffee and make all your decisions. Mm-hmm. When you're going expanding Shoot. and you've got... Oh, I just spilled water all over you. That's all right. Oh, That's all right. Well, if you're listening, he just, water Jamie just <laughs> baptized me with his water bottle. I'm so that was sorry. The best way That's all right. Oh, man, I was getting a little warm. Yeah. <laughs> That's the best podcast experience oh, man. so far. But, but, but anyway, it's, it's more difficult, but at the same time, I think you get a lot of times better product by getting a lot of people involved, meaning getting a design team involved, mm-hmm. getting operations, getting uh, beverage people, and you all sit down and, and create together. Yeah. It, it's more difficult because I'm a control freak. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> As you want to be able to say, no, we're doing this, this, and this. But it's it's a learning experience, and I think it's good for the process to, to force yourself to listen to other ideas. Mm. You're a self-aware control freak. I am a self-aware yeah. control freak. Yeah, that's, yes. that, that, There's a lot. I feel like one theme that we haven't brought up is the, the amount of humility that you've been speaking throughout this whole, yeah, a whole lot of humility. there's a layer well, and a foundation of humility that I think is one of the keys to success throughout this whole thing that we kind of, kind of brushed having over. Having high standards, but still like allowing people to, to make mistakes yeah. and oh, show grace yeah. and, that, that to me is mm-hmm. one of my big key takeaways for me personally is like this foundation of humility of like self-aware enough to know what, that you're, you've messed up, but, but not where you get defeated. You stay in that guilt and shame and just like yeah. beaten down. It's like, okay, we're going to get better. We're going to move forward. Yeah. It's okay. And we're going to keep pushing. Um, that takes humility with courage well, it, and well, maybe stupidity thank you. too. But it's that especially food and beverage is 
is you're starting from scratch every day. Hmm. And there's so many things that can go wrong in the day. Your busser didn't show up. Your equipment is broken. Mm-hmm. Your your guys coming in the kitchen are hung over from a party the <laughs> last night. So there's all these chances of things screwing up. So that's the the sign of a good operator is somebody who can think and react and keep the train going, keep it going. Mm-hmm. And problem you, solve. Yeah. But you learn that life is not perfect. And if something's going to screw up, it's going to screw up. But it's how you overcome that. How do you adjust for that to where it doesn't get to your customer? Mm-hmm. As long as that customer isn't affected or their experience isn't expected, or I mean, uh, uh, affected, you've kind of done your job. Yeah. Mm. That's good. Um, okay, I have some random questions. <laughs> I'm going to take us in a random I'm not, I'm not surprised, Jamie. Come on. Uh, okay. <laughs> so I'm like I want to ask you about. Yeah. How, how, um, how old are you, Lou? 63. 63. Yeah. And you are like jacked. <laughs> I don't know about I wanted to ask jacked. you, uh, I want to ask you about health. Like yeah. what, do you, this, I'm taking this on a totally side. Yeah. This is I, just for Jamie this is just, I can give you the, you look, I mean, you look really good. I mean, you're, for an old, old man. I mean, I'm, I'm like, his muscles are, are popping over here in this, in the white, I, d- the white I shirt. did, uh, and I'll, growing up or coming up in food and beverage, Food and beverage is, like music, is heavy partying. Yeah, it can wear, wear on you. And yeah. I came up during the time that New York, San Francisco, that it wasn't just drinking. It was <laughs> do a, a bump of cocaine <laughs> and keep going all night and get up the next morning yeah. and just burn at both ends of the candle. Yeah. And when I did, about this t- time I did our first restaurant, I stopped drinking okay, because it was a mental decision. There were some issues around it, but I was going, and my uh, twin brother had become ill, mm-hmm. and I was going, what a selfish person I am. I've got so much to do. I've got so many things I want to do with my life. That And I'll see the guys coming in, hung over in the morning. I'm just going, Lord. I have too much on the line. Too many people yeah, are counting and on Too me. many people are counting on you, and I was going, you know, I have not missed anything in life, and I don't regret any of my foolish days Uh back then. I wouldn't give trade them for anything, but now is the time to be an adult, to be a a grown-up man. Mm -hmm. And at that point, uh, I started running again in high school. I ran. So I was a runner all the time, but I blew my knees out. So I started, and it was my get away to go to the gym mm-hmm. and between lunch and dinner service, go to the gym and start working out. And I've, I've had people like I d- did a lot of central market cooking schools and mm-hmm. cooking classes. I, I, I love that getting in front of people and, and, and telling them my philosophy of food and how I cook. But somebody raised their hands once and said, you know, I was heard never trust a skinny chef. And I said, well, the reality <laughs> is I'm not skinny. My, yeah. I mean, my body weight to my height is where it should be. Yeah. But my philosophy is be careful of an obese chef. Yeah. And they go, why? And I said, number one, if anyone should know nutrition more than anyone else, mm-hmm. it should be somebody who makes their living cooking. Mm. I should know more about nutrition than anyone. If someone should have availability of clean, good food, 
It should be a chef. You're, mm-hmm. at, you're in a kitchen. If someone should treat their body like an athlete, it should be a line cook or a chef because you're on your feet 12 hours a day moving. Mm-hmm. All, yeah. So you've got to be physically active. And if someone is working in a tight kitchen, the last person you want in there is some guy that can't move who takes up too much room. <laughs> so health has been a big part of yeah. your, your... So and, and my father played pro ball and yeah so it's just always i've been around and just try to take care of myself okay what, what's what's your normal like your, what's a day in the life of lou look like like what is your do you have like a morning routine or an afternoon i'm, or like, I'm an early riser okay. how, how early is early riser 4 35 that's early because it's quiet okay. i can have a coffee yeah uh we have four dogs sit dogs uh-huh. and mentally in 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 cooking, it's called mise en place, everything in place, French okay. term for mise en place. Yeah. There's a physical mise en place, like when you're building a house or something, mm-hmm. you have your lumber, your nails, your hammer, so physically everything's in place. Mm-hmm. There's also a mental mise en place of you get your, so before you start cooking a recipe, you stop a moment and you go, all right, I'm going to brown the onions, then do this and do this. I always take some time in the morning drinking coffee to have a mental mise en place about what do I need to do oh, for the cool. day. That's a cool concept. What, what do I need to accomplish? What order? What am I forgetting? Mm-hmm. And is that like, are you, are you journaling? Or are you, like, no, just, just a mental. And, reflecting. and sometimes if it's a really busy day, yeah. I bring out the notepad. But you're, you pause. You yeah, start the it's day a with pause like and, intentional yeah. thinking. Yeah. And then it, it depends day to day what my routine is. Mm-hmm. But it's, I'll go by like this morning, I had a 7.30 a.m. Paris coffee shop mm-hmm. construction meeting. Mm-hmm. Then I'm with you guys. I'll go by Pope. Um, I'm planning on spending tomorrow half the day with a, a guy that we're trying to bring up as Chef de Cuisine, who is mm-hmm. kind of that culinary person. I'm going to work four hours in the kitchen with him, which is rare that I get to spend you're, you're kitchen time. You're going to get time. in the wow. kitchen, yeah. Yeah, wow. it's, it, which is rare. So we're going to go through some test recipes. But it's not just to test recipes, but it's to talk to the guy mm-hmm. and just go, you know, where are you? Where you where you want to go? Mm-hmm. For what it's worth, this is where I think you ought to be doing. And to see him, his knife skills, his palate, his putting things together. I bet he's going to be nervous. I feel like I would be nervous. Like, no, be it's fine. like when I play shows and like every once in a while a really good guitar player yeah. will show up and I'm like, oh, normally I'm fine. Oh, but yeah, yeah, it's rarely do I get invited to dinner because they're afraid to cook. Yeah. <laughs> are you, that was a question I was going to ask, yeah. was are you kind of like ruined for restaurants? <laughs> like ruined? When you, when it, you go in, are you like uh, hyper? It, it depends on the restaurant. Yeah. If it's a restaurant that we have a concept like, or if it's someone that purports to be whatever, yeah. fine dining French, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Then I go in with critical eye. Yeah. Now, if it's a just down and dirty, uh, we are what we are, mm-hmm. I'm no, I just enjoy. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it, it's like Mexican food. You don't go in going, well, they should do their sauce like this. Mexican food is one of those regional things that depending on where you grew up, what part of the country you were in, your back, mm-hmm. there's so many different kinds of Mexican food. So you go in there enjoying it, trying to see their point of view or their perspective. Mm-hmm. The same thing with diner food. And 
to me, it's enjoyable of just trying to understand who these people are and what they're trying to put on the plate. Mm -hmm. Now, if it's some that somebody trying to say, we, we've got the finest steak in town. I'm a ranch guy. I, yeah. I was president of the Hector County 4-H. I've run, <laughs> I can butcher a whole hog or a whole steer yeah. and I can cook a, the the best steak. And I understand where beef comes from. Yeah. So when they say this is like, blah, 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 go, yeah. I go, uh, no, yeah. guys. <laughs> yes. So yeah. it, it depends. Okay. Yeah. And the, the same thing with service. It's And I'm not a snooty, I want white tablecloth, the, the guy sitting there with his nose in there. Yeah. But I do want attentive, yeah. good service. You have high expectations. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I read something about a Martha Stewart story. Yeah. yeah. Can you tell me that's? Oh, the, it, did you boss Martha Stewart around like so? Who told you this? <laughs> no, they're uh, it's like about potatoes. No, somebody. Uh, we were. I was doing the Riata restaurant in downtown Fort Worth. Okay, uh, and a friend of ours from California was a food editor with Martha Stewart living. And this is back in the 90s. Mm -hmm. And I got a call one day because they knew our connection with Martha. Mm -hmm. And they said they want to do, and it was Martha Stewart living the magazine. She wants to come out and do a Martha Stewart living in Martha. So we went out, we were doing the food for that. And uh, my I think my brother was there, but whatever. But I had gotten in there early. I was okay. directing the, the. Or no, no, no. I take it back. I had had a gig in Fort Worth or Austin, and they had started production early, uh, food prep. So they flew me out, and I walked in the kitchen, and food was happening, all around. And I'm just, I was panicked that it wasn't up to our standards. Mm -hmm. And I walked over to the stove and there were potatoes on the stove for a potato salad being cooked. Uh -huh. And I said, damn it, y'all better have started those in cold water because what happens if you start them in hot, they disintegrate. Uh -huh. And a woman turns around, Martha, and she said, yes, they were. I did them. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I think that's the story I read. That's, that's awesome. That's, that's good. Okay, okay. I'm gonna hit you with a couple more. Yeah. Uh, if you could, if you could go back and give your younger self any bit of advice, what would it be? Um, to that's that's a tough one, because I don't regret any of my crazy and haphazard coming up. Uh, to be patient and calm and live in the moment more instead of worrying about your next move, your next move, mm -hmm. your next move, mm -hmm. to embrace not just the work aspect of it, but actually slow down a little bit and, and enjoy life a little mm -hmm. bit more. Mm -hmm. That's you, you get so wrapped up in all your moves career-wise and business-wise and yeah. is... But, you know, I've learned that lesson in my older life, mm -hmm. but is take up golf, <laughs> run, <laughs> do, do something uh -huh. and, and cherish your friendships. Yeah. yeah. Cherish your friendships. That's yeah. good. That's really good. Um, what, what's next? Get Paris Coffee Shop open. Yeah. That, that's the main. That is, that is the deal. Okay. Um, I've got some 
uh, little side projects going. You but, have a lot of side hustles. We didn't talk about yeah. any side hustles. Yeah. To give us give us a quick rundown on the side I hustles. Did, my dad was a real estate guy, little developer, construction, and I've always loved the construction process. And I think that's what I love about doing restaurants, hotels, is it's not just once they're open, but I love the design and the build process. Mm -hmm. So I've always done little real estate, like th through the years, every house I've lived in, we bought an old house, gutted it, renovated it. Mm -hmm. I just love that process. It, it Not just the physical part of building the wood, the nails, yeah. but the design part of it. So I've always done like 411. Mm -hmm. I, I did that as a real estate move mm -hmm. and then went in there and jazzed it up thinking this is such a cool space. Yeah. You add value to it by the design and what you put yeah. into it. So several years ago, I partnered with some different guys, but we build houses. Oh, cool. Okay. So I, I've so got you're actively building houses right yeah, now. We have three, three going up right in now. In all your spare time, I have yeah. like these 20 <laughs> restaurants and 20 hotels. No, I've got good partners. <laughs> yeah. I've got good partners. But so uh, doing that and then... In Fort Worth? In Fort Worth. Oh, cool. So I've got... And then I've got the 411 property was our shop, welding shop, wood shop, uh -huh. and machine shop. We bought another property over in River Oaks that I'm still kind of building out and another shop, another shop. Oh, okay, cool. But all the woodworking and woodworking. Kind of, and yeah. I've taken up, uh, a, a, a lathe turning bowls. Yeah. I've seen oh, some yeah. of your bowls, dude. You I like just, take a stump and like make a bowl. out. Yeah. Of I'll buy, there's Birdall sawmill in Lockhart that I'll not lock in, um, uh, east of Austin uh -huh. that I'll go to Birdall. I'll buy big and I say a stump. It's like yeah. a, 30 inches around by oh six feet long. Wears, wears like wear, hundreds of pounds. Yeah, and I'll wear or I'll truck them to the shop here in Fort Worth and with chainsaw, cut those down into blanks, put it on the lathe, and then turn bowls uh -huh. oh, and that's cool. turn different things. I'd, I'd always grown up as doing woodworking through my father, and I've always been intrigued by lathes. So I was going, you know, before I invest in a, a big lathe, I need to take a lesson or see if I really like it. So I started researching turning wood lessons, mm -hmm. looked at Dallas Fort Worth, nothing, Austin, nothing, statewide. Not many people it, do that or know how to do that. But I was going, you know, just little not non-consequential classes. So I found this guy out of England that was teaching classes, intense four-day class. In England? No, no. He okay. in the states. Oh, in the states. Okay. Four day classes, only four students, and I went. Yes, I'm going to sign up. It turns out it was in Las Vegas. No. <laughs> he, he was teaching a class in Vegas and fell in love with a girl in Las Vegas and moved to Las Vegas. Uh -huh. So I went home and I told partner James and yeah. then young Chris. I said, uh, "What do y'all think about going to Vegas for a few days? Yeah, that'd be fun." Uh -huh. So I signed us all up, and so we we stayed at the Bellagio and took classes during the day turning learning how to use a lathe and turning wood and then we'd go to uh out to eat and I mean, it was it yeah. was a great that's experience cool. yeah. and i came back and bought a lathe and i'm hooked that's I'm addicted. what do you do with the bowls give them away okay. or i've got shelves of them uh -huh. it's just the pro it's a it's a mental thing and it, it's i just i and i growing up through my mother we did uh quite a bit of sculpting 
clay, wax, even did some bronzes in painting. So I'm not a great artist, but it it's a release from our artistic. It's kind of, it's, it's kind of like cool. you, they, it like yoga. You like yeah. kind of you get to unplug and you're yeah. sitting there grinding on this thing. Yeah, and and I can lock the door crank the music yeah and nobody's in my ear yeah. turn the phones off yeah. it's my that's my, a that's cool. a helpful that's a healthy practice to yes. have those type of outlets, outlets. Yeah. yeah i think that's 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 huge um all right do you have any other questions i got apply yourself be a part of a community and give back create a unity of experience within a restaurant there's no change when there's no change. Yeah. Embrace the numbers. Those are some of my, and then humility. Those are yeah. some of my key takeaways from today. Those Smart. are some good, Smart good fellas. stuff right there. Yeah, Thank some you. good, Those good, are some good nuggets. Good nuggets. <laughs> my words of wisdom I'm keeping. Well, Lou, this was, this was, man, I have been excited for this for a long time. So I, I appreciate you. Yeah. I appreciate you guys inviting me. This was, this was fun. Mm-hmm. I could talk about restaurants and creativity and just kind of mm-hmm. that whole thing all day long. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just, it's what I live. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, you get a lot of wisdom to share. Yeah. yeah. And so part of this is, was hoping to inspire people who are, who look at someone like you, like he's done these restaurants. Could I ever yeah. do that? Yeah. You, every, everyone has, has a, a story of how they started it mm-hmm. yep. and to hopefully inspire and share some wisdom and kind of like, uh, I'm excited for people to hear this. Yeah. Thank you. I also, I think we have the same boots. <laughs> Which makes me feel even cooler. <laughs> I I oh, love man. I love an ankle boot. Yeah, and I I love these zip boots. I mean, I was like, I think we have the same boots. That makes Gosh, me feel. You're, yeah. Actually, I, you're I like those. Yeah. Well, Lou, thanks for joining us. This is awesome. Uh, do you, if if people want to go check out, do you have a website like a, a with all of your stuff or no? They can go just, to each individual. Okay. I'm, just I'm I am terrible. Of, I, I have I don't carry business cards. Jamie, you don't. No, I like that. I I respect that. I appreciate that. Here, give me a, a coffee cup. I'll or <laughs> yeah. a napkin. I'll give you my number. Well, well, th- thanks for coming in. Appreciate the time. And uh, yeah, I, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what you do with Paris. I'm, I, that's an exciting project, and yeah. I'm exciting for everybody to come in. Yeah, cool. Th- but thank you guys. This has been fun. Yeah, been good. All righty. Congratulations, you made it all the way to the end. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Stories with Soul. If you enjoyed the interview and like what you heard, please help us out and share, subscribe, and like anywhere you listen to podcasts. When you share and subscribe, it is insanely helpful and allows us to keep producing new episodes. You can always join us directly in the studio by watching the video version on our website, 6thavstorytelling.com. Stories with Soul is brought to you by 6 Ave Storytelling, an organic marketing company building standout brands on the foundation of story. You're obsessed with your business and we want to make the world obsessed with it too. Thanks for listening.